podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everyone and thanks a lot for tuning in to episode 112 of the Glasgow's Green Podcast, aka GigPod. I'm Stevie and all I can say is, not long now, we are within touching distance of the league title after the weekend's 1-1 draw with Rangers. And Rizzo, it's starting to sink in, isn't it? Hi everyone, yeah, we will be champions soon. I mean obviously it would have been great if we'd won on Sunday and that means we could have had a, a, a real party on Saturday. If we beat Hearts, although I mean I think if we do beat Hearts, there still will be a party of sorts. We're uh, almost there. Only four points needed, and that's it. One really only three because I think we're like nineteen goals ahead of Rangers. So we deserve it because we've been the best team, especially when you consider how poor the start was. And but since September, we've been uh, excellent for the most part. So no, we'll fully deserve to win the league, and it's just a pity I'll not be there when Carl McGregor's raising that trophy high. And that's because, let me guess, John, apparently you have a wedding. It seems so, and in fact, that's why I was so worried that Rangers were going to score the win on Sunday, because I didn't want to take a, a radio on my phone and we make the wedding on silent, but that's what I would have done for Celtic, because I, I love the club so much. But no, hopefully uh, this time next week we'll be just about champions, and see if we beat Hearts. Who knows, in the Wednesday night up at Tannadice, we could have, we could be winning the lead for the third time at Tannadice, and uh, I'm sure that would be a great night. You do remember what I did at my cousin's wedding back in July in the game against Hearts at Tynecastle, the season opener. Surely you remember my antics. Vaguely. Could you go through them again? Yes, I took a tablet with me and I was up at a venue called The View in Bathgate and they couldn't give out Wi-Fi. It was staff Wi-Fi, so I had to terror it all from my phone. So I was I was terroring the game from my phone, which had four bars and I've got unlimited data, so it was fine. But yeah, I was away from everyone watching the game on my tablet with a lot of people coming to check the scores every five minutes. But I sat glued to that game because I'm such a committed Celtic fan, John. So I don't think taking a radio in with you is anywhere near as bad as my uh, tablet behaviour. Well, what I probably really would have done was uh, watched it on Sky Sports on my phone if I could, but I don't. I haven't got Unlimited data, unfortunately, but uh, thankfully we uh, we aren't in a situation where I need to uh, watch. Well, actually, I'll probably be on a train during the first half. <laughs> That's enough about that. But no, one of the most more important things: the game on Sunday. Indeed, Celtic won, Rangers won. It's a result, John. That, as I said on the Instagram video I did yesterday, it was fine for us. Rangers really needed to win that game, and you know I've been thinking about it a lot and about how they're claiming that actually felt like a win for them and they were celebrating such a result. Two things. One, I thought they didn't care about it. I thought it was a friendly. I'm surprised they even went mental when they scored, John, but hey, that's me. Secondly, seeing the 90s and seeing the days when we were crap and they were winning everything. Remember we used to get the odd draw Ibrooks in the, the end of season dead rubbers, if you will, and we used to go mental if we took points off them and then say, oh, that was big for us and you're in for it next season, but next season was always them winning. 
I dare say, John, that it feels good to have a wee bit of a role reversal there, doesn't it? It does. I mean, it's a bit weird that they're coming out with it's like a celebration. Like, okay, they could have won the game, but then we could have won it as well. Both teams missed good chances. They had to win, I think, when they look back at it. At the end of the season, they'll probably regret that they were poor, really, in the game at Ibrox, and they did, couldn't take their chances uh, at Celtic Park. But no, I think it's two evenly matched teams, really. And unfortunately, I think they're both pretty good in different ways. I mean, they are good in Europe, and we're good domestically. I mean, hopefully their run in Europe comes to an end on Thursday. But no, I mean, I wasn't even that annoyed about the performance, because I knew it would be a difficult game, because I knew it was Rangers' last chance to win the league. The performance in the Cup final annoyed me a lot more, because going into that game, I mean, we were big favourites, and I think we were all maybe a bit blasey about it, and we maybe underestimated Rangers who unfortunately are in a European semi-final so that annoyed me a lot more than uh, the game on Sunday because I thought we were really poor in the semi-final and we didn't really create any chances at least on Sunday there we did create chances we just didn't take them so no I thought maybe their celebration I suppose well I don't know if they were celebrations but their sort of delight that they stopped us winning the league was uh, a bit weird and no really big dog behaviour but that's the Glasgow derby for you. You know, it's weird though getting into this game, John, and I said it once more on the Instagram video yesterday that I'm not going to name names, but people were saying to me that they were expecting 3-0, 4-0 and 5-1. They thought Van Bronckhurst would play like a, a youth and reserve team. That was never going to happen. Like for all the Rangers fans that were saying they don't care and the game's a write-off, the Rangers manager was never going to think like that. So... I don't know where a lot of people's heads were at about that game. I don't know if that crept into the atmosphere, because I'm going to really touch on something now, that Liam King, great guy who I would never criticise, now he was actually saying, when do we start protesting on the Celtic way for midweek derby games only? The atmosphere was flat, considering, and you know what, he's actually right, it was flat, it felt like VLR on Twitter, Michael, made an amazing comparison was saying it reminded him a lot like a charity game Martin Compton or something would play in, and he's probably right. But then, see if you're comparing it, John, to the game in February, it was never going to be a red-hot electric atmosphere. That game in February, as we said, was like a one-off, wasn't it? Not just the result and how we played compared to the Angels, but it was a nighttime game, first in years, and first time the fans were at Celtic Park in a derby since 2019, the chance to go top of the league, and the fact that Rangers before that dropped points at Dingwall, we scored the last minute against Dundee United. Everything just aligned for us and it was going to shit for them. But I think that all combined in what was a magical atmosphere. It was never going to be like that on Sunday, but I do take Liam's point that the atmosphere just was a bit flat. What was your take on it? Um, It was hard to tell. I think there was tension because, let's face it, I don't think MD actually really enjoys these games. I know everybody pretends that, oh, we don't care about playing Rangers and all that. It's not the same derby and all that. I may not be the same, like Rangers, but it's the same sort of game where it's like just... That 3-0 game was a complete anomaly because every game this season has been either one goal in it or it was a draw. That, As you say, that was a completely different game for any. It was the atmosphere. It was the fact that it was only Celtic fans there. The fact that we were up for it, as you said, because we'd, won it, we'd beat Dungeon United and they drew against Ross County. We knew if we won, we were going to go top of the league. That was the first time we'd played Rangers with fans for, I think, over two years or something like that. So that was completely different. But I really think the atmosphere was just sort of a typical Glasgow Derby atmosphere, just tension, basically. 
because these games are only enjoyable. All right, it's enjoyable when you win, but no, for the entire minutes, it's really a worry that you're going to make a mistake or if they score first, they're going to come back and if we score first, they're going to equalise and I think it's just tension. I mean, it's back to the way it used to be. Also, a different Rangers. But it's like every game is going to be nip and tuck. A game like the one in February, I think, will be an anomaly. I think for the next couple of years, hopefully not. I mean, hopefully some of their better players leave in the summer and we can build where a new man, a new chief scout at the helm, but we'll talk about that more later. But I think maybe next season it'll be sort of the same as this season, like nip and tuck, tight games, a sort of close title race. And I think it's just tension basically on Sunday, especially in the second half. You can talk more about it, but I mean, I think as soon as Rangers equalised, there was a, a, an immediate panic that they were going to go in and get the win because they were the only team really that created chances after that. So I think it was really tension that was the biggest thing. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. And I have to say, I'll hold my hands up right now. John, I was texting you during the match. Genuinely felt sick from the last half hour onwards. Now, you know, we brought on subs, I think, to contain Rangers and try and kill the game, see it out. I don't think we had planned for them scoring, and when we did, the subs were really ineffective. So that was a big part of it, but those last 20 minutes were torture, and it just felt like we were hanging on. It was very much like, you know, when Tommy Burns' Celtic team were just taking games to Rangers constant. I guess that's how their fans felt, you know, in that run in like the 90s and all that, because... I just felt as if every time they were going forward, they were such a threat and we couldn't cope. And I think it poses a question now that what's going on in the second half in the last couple of games against Rangers? And here's what's weird there, John. The game at Ibrox, you were stressing out while I felt really comfortable there. I didn't think Rangers were a threat. All they kept doing was just launching long balls into us and we could deal with that fine. This was different. They weren't just going long constant. They were actually playing a lot through the middle. Guys like Arfield... Or winning like the second balls, putting them through to Sakala. That ah, was really stressing me out. Hopefully, it's something that the manager can work on next season. But, John, I think we can both agree this is something that the Vanilla Gorilla, he was saying, you know, what is going on with Rio Hitati? He's been off a cliff since that Motherwell away game. That's the words of at the McBegby. And it's hard to disagree, John. It's on the manager for allowing us to get overran in midfield, to be honest with you, from 60 minutes onwards? Well, on Hitati, first of all, I would say he was good against St. Johnson. We've been on 7-0, but apart from that, he's been terrible. And basically, he's knackered. It was in the, the press, I think, two or three weeks ago, that he'd wrote something for a, a website in Japan. And I think he basically admitted that he's knackered because he played a full season in Japan that only finished in December. Then he comes here, and I think he's played some like 18 or 19 games. He's nearly started every game. Must be a completely different style of football than it is in Japan. He's playing in Scotland, and I just think he's absolutely knackered. He's different sort of than direct message, who I think was also knackered at the weekend, but his game lends him more. Like, he's all about burst energy, and like there's times in games where maybe he's quiet, and then he just comes back in with another ridiculous burst of energy. So I think that's how he's maybe no as knackered, but... I just think Hitati's knackered and there was no way he was going to leave him out on Sunday because he's one of Ange's main men. I mean, he's been in the team practically every week for when he signed. If you compare that to Aide uh, Gucci, who's made one start, okay, he did get injured, but he's barely featured since and he's like another midfielder. We don't really know how good he is. I'm just hoping that next season we'll get the best out of him. I think we'll actually get the best out of all the Japanese players we signed in January. 
next season because they'll actually have like a pre-season and they'll have a break this summer for at least a month. But I mean, as on the manager, but his substitutions didn't help. His substitutions made times worse because Raiders equalised right after the substitutions and like for some reason Cal McGregor was pushed further forward and Nia Beaton was sitting back and Cal McGregor just doesn't work push further forward at all. He's much better getting the ball off the defenders and driving forward. I mean, he isn't a guy that gets forward a lot. That was rare when he done it in the win at Ibrox when he helped to set up the, the equaliser for Rogic. But no, much as we love Ange, and I think he deserved to win manager of the year the other day, it was on him. I think he's sort of, he's got it wrong to an extent against Rangers in the last two games, especially the semi-final. Okay, we really could have won on Sunday if you consider the chances we missed in the first half, but I really think that, and I can't believe I'm saying this, we need to buy a player that's sort of similar to noted starer, John Lindstrom, who I don't really like, but he is, a, he is an effective player for the Amendarbys now. They seem to have like made use of him, but he sort of, he's a destroyer in the middle of the park, and we can't really deal with it for some reason. So maybe know a guy that stares as much as him, but a guy sort of similar to him, as I think something we need, especially for the Champions League, because if we don't get the midfield sorted for the Champions League, we're going to get hammered. I don't really, I'll just mention this briefly. I think I's done okay in Europe this season. The Bodo Glimp was just terrible, though. But I really do think that, not just for Europe, but for the games against Rangers, which are the biggest games, we need to get the midfield sorted because it did look at first that, that Hitati and O'Reilly were going to, like, after that 3 nothing game, we could establish them for the rest of the season. But it's not really worked, so I hope that midfield is an area that we're looking to buy players in in the summer. Yeah, I can't disagree with that, John. Regarding the Champions League, that's something we'll focus on. I was going to talk about that on tonight's episode, but I'd rather talk about the Champions League and focus on that more in the summer and when we are actually champions too. Now, Jigsy who listens to the podcast quite often, and also 67 Hail Hail, he's a big viewer. He was asking why did we not win the last derby. Sadly, they are a good team. There's not a lot between the sides. It's going to be 50-50s between Celtic and Rangers, but I do think we'll give ourselves a better chance of going in and dominating and getting the win over them if we can start controlling the midfield more than for just the first ever. And not only that, John, the chances we missed. It's all right saying Rangers hit the post and Hart made a brilliant save and the second half from Scott Arfield and then Ryan Jack. But the chances we missed in that first half, criminal. You've got to put one of them away and see if we do. Totally different conversation. If Jota takes the ball down and squares it to Kyogo or even just, you know, slots it in himself past McGregor and he could have done so. Or Maeda was just a bit braver with a header. It's fine margins again, isn't it? Just like the semi-final, really. That Jota one, I think, has been talked about a lot because uh, that dies in header, but Jota had so much time. I know I know we're, well, we're criticising Hitai, but it was a brilliant cross. And Jota had loads of time. If he just brought the ball down his chest, he'd have been cleaned through. But he went for the header for some reason and it just didn't work. And I know we were saying that Dyson could have been braver with that header, but I think the one in the second half he was a lot worse. I mean, he got put through, he had time, but he just sort of panicked to an extent and blasted over the bar. I think he's a player that's better when he's not got time. He take his chances. I think he's better uh, in an instinctive type of way. But you're right, though. I mean, we really should have been... They had, like, that one chance with Ryan Kent getting ahead of Ralston. And, and that was really the only chance until we scored. Then we missed three brilliant chances. and But then they missed a couple of the ends. So, I don't know. A draw is a fair enough result, really. I can't complain. 
I, I think if we'd get beat, it would have been just catastrophe, and I, I really would be concerned about the games going forward. I mean, we, we probably would have won them, but I'd have been really worried in case we, like, we came unstuck somewhere. But no, I think a draw is fair enough. And I mean, going back to September, I'll say it again, you would never think this year we'd be in this position now that we only really need another win with three games to go and we've won the league. It's unbelievable, really. If you consider all the work Ange to do, the fact that we had to bring players in in January, all the big players that left in the, in the, the summer and in August. People have, I suppose, got a right to be annoyed about the last two games. But that's just, I mean, we could have won the three of them. We could have won the derby if we hadn't been, we could have won the semi-final if we hadn't been daft and if we hadn't suffered injuries at a bad time. We could have won on Sunday if we took our chances. So, no, I can't really complain. Obviously, I loved it if we'd won, but a draw was a fair result. I don't care they can really deny that. Do you think maybe now the fans are starting to realise that games against Rangers are, are going back to being tightly contested affairs as opposed to being maybe spoiled from them being an absolute mess under Warburton and Kishinia and Murty while we had Brendan Rodgers and we were in such a good place and a lot of fans maybe grew up, not saying everyone, but a lot of fans maybe grew up and were slightly expecting that to be the case for you know longer than what it was. Do you think a wee bit of complacency maybe kicked in and expectations went through the roof when it comes to games against Rangers? Well, I think they probably went through the roof because of the 3-0 win, because that was one of our best performances against Rangers in years. I think the games went back to the sort of way they were in uh, the last season before lockdown. I mean, every game was tight. We won that game 2-0 at Ibrox, but that was a sort of weird game. We fully deserved to win, but it was a weird game with no lot of chances. With the cup final... We should have got hammered. I don't care what MD says. That was a Fraser. That was just cause a Fraser Force. We won, and obviously I loved it. But we could have got hammered, and then they beat us at Celtic Park in the last game that year. And then I think we would have probably beat them at Ibrox like the week before the game before lockdown started. And like last season, I was just obviously I would write it off because we were rubbish and Rangers won the league. So obviously I'll say it does count, but. I think it was sort of back to normal, quote-unquote, in the lockdown season, because every game was close and competitive. Okay, last season was like an anomaly. And I think this season is just back to every game being close. And I don't, I can't see it going back to the Brendan Rodgers uh, era. I mean, Rangers weren't even our closest challengers, and it was Aberdeen. And, like, we used to hammer Rangers. I mean, people probably were blasé about their games. Like we beat them five, no, five one at Ibrox, four nothing in the cup. No, it's back to how it used to be. Really, I mean, you didn't feel tense when we were playing Rangers during Brendan and Rogers' time because you knew we were going to win. So I, I didn't need to sit with my head in my hands in a pub throughout this, the last half an hour of a game in a panic. So because you knew we were going to win, but this time you don't know if you're going to win. I would say for most of them, and I think. Might be the same next season. It obviously depends who we sign, but no, I think they're they're back to the way they were. If you're going for a title and you end up like still being ahead of your closest rivals with only three games to go, you can't really complain about the result. So you don't celebrate throwing one each at home with Angels. The performance wasn't a great eye, but I wouldn't criticize it. If you look at the games this season, every one of them could either team could have said they could have won. Even the two one game we won, if you consider the pressure they put us under. Apart from the three the three nothing game, every game either team I think could have said they could have won. So it is back to the way it used to be. Right, so I'll answer this one from Jamie J eighteen eighty eight on Instagram, who 
kind of echoed what we were saying earlier about the lack of control and creativity from our midfield, especially in the second half of games when we just invite the pressure on. Admittedly, we probably aren't having this conversation if the games are put to bed. If like in February and at the start of April, if we had performances like that against Rangers getting into this stage of the season, I would be really concerned. Just now, I'm putting it down to the fact that this team are still gelling. They're still a new side, getting to know each other, whereas we're up against a Rangers side at the end of their cycle, but John, they've been together for three or four years now, and you know they've played with each other week in, week out quite a lot. And this team are still getting to know each other in that respect. So if we are putting in performances like that in the last half hour of games against them next season, then I'd be concerned. But I think it's a learning process for us as fans, the players and the manager, and it's a case of dealing with those folks and working on them together. So I think they will. And bear in mind too, guys like Juranovic, John, he was a huge miss. I'm not going to sit and talk about Tony Ralston here. I think that subject's been done to death, especially on social media. But all I will say is, you really notice, John, when JJ's in that team, the composure that he brings you, just on the ball, the positioning off the ball, he's just general quality. The way that he can move into midfield, take other players out of the game and start an attack from midfield or out wide, Guys like him are a huge miss, and he is one of our most important players. And when you've got him out, you're always going to sort of feel that impact, aren't you? Yep. Just two things. First of all, on JJ, was a massive miss. I don't want to criticise Ralston because he's had his best ever season at Celtic. This time last season, I think everybody thought he'd leave. He played one game last season, and that's when the, the squad had all, nearly odd COVID because of the, the famous trip to Dubai. He's not as good as uh, JJ, that's true. I mean, I don't think he'd have gave Kent the chances that Kent had at the weekend, but I'm not going to criticise Ralston because he's been excellent for us, and if we're going to win the league, which I think we will, he's more than earned his winner's medal. But no, that semi-final turned when he went off Juranovic because Kent finally started getting joy, and we just really couldn't cope with his absence. And I think we talked about it before the game, we were a bit worried about Ralston up against Kent, and... I think that Ralston had a tough game. He did geek in that chance at the start. But no, I mean, I think things would have been different if JJ had been there. And also the other thing I think is maybe people don't really talk about enough the fact that this Rangers team has been together for so long. That uh, has been really a bonus for them. If you think about it, like they did finally win the league. Okay, it's got an asterisk beside it, but they did win the league. They are unfortunately making strides in Europe the weekend of match yet. And maybe by the end of this team's three or four year cycle, we'll be doing what they've done in Europe especially, I would hope. But no, I think, I've said it before, I mean, the fact that we had to put a whole new team together practically is, I think, underrated. And that is why Ange deserved to be named manager of the year because I really think that that can be underestimated keeping the continuity of a team. Okay, we might know really rate guys like Goldson or Tav, as they call them, or uh, Morelos, but they've been together for years and they've all been successful to an extent in Scottish football. So, like, they know how to play the Scottish football style, whereas if you look at, like, Dyson or Hitati, who we've been slightly critical, I mean, they're just in in a few months, really. They've only been here for five months. Even Kyogo, who's still our best player, he's not been here for that long and he missed four months of the season. So I really think that that continuity that Rangers have got is a big thing. And I think in time will be big for us. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I really can't be underestimated that we have done so well to be in this position because they're tough to break down. They'll get a style that suits them in Europe that they've had for the last couple of managers. And it's one of the reasons for that is that continuity. 
because like, as soon as I think Jadal get into his second season, they started doing well in Europe. And I'm hoping that the same sort of thing will happen with us. And I'm hoping that next season we'll be maybe even better than this season. And if you think that we're going to most likely win a double, I mean, I'm hoping we could improve even more in Scotland and make progress in Europe. I think that should be the goal. And I think that the new sort of signing of Peter Lowell's son could have an impact in that. And the fact that we're supposedly are signing Jota, which I didn't think we're going to do, maybe he wants to play in the Champions League as well. That kind of be underestimated how big that is for us. But no, I mean, as I'll say it again, that the continuity that Rangers have got is what we should strive for. And I think that this Celtic team deserves big credit for the fact that we're going to win the league. Just before we talk about the Hearts game, well done to all the Celtic award winners uh, in the last few days. Ange, manager of the year. Carl McGregor, player of the year. Tom Rogers, goal of the year. Leela Bada, uh, young player of the year. Jacinta, the women's young player of the year. And I think they all won the awards at the Celtic Awards as well. Or Kyogo, I think, won goal of the year for the Hibs goal. No, maybe the, the Scottish football players that we constantly slag in this podcast, only that daft after constantly gaining out awards to Celtic players. Maybe they've got something about them after all, Stevie. Massive commiserations to Craig, best goalie in the world, Gordon, because for some reason, everybody seemed to think it was a shoo-in for him. Craig Gordon's had a good season, right? But if you look at what Callum McGregor's had to do and captain a brand new Celtic team, under all the expectation of winning every week against, as we keep saying, the Rangers side that were heavily fancied favourites. So consistent. He's been brilliant. Thankfully, his peers have recognised that. When I was hearing that Craig Gordon was the favourite for it, I was like, come on. But thankfully, John, sense has indeed prevailed. The real thing is, I don't actually think that McGregor's been our best player this season. I think it's Carter Vickers. But, as you said, McGregor had to captain this new Celtic team. He He's had to lead for the front, like, knitting the team together. I don't think that's been easy for him. I don't think it's been this has been an easy season at all for Celtic. I think it's been tough and the fact that we've still no one in the league yet is a right pain. But no, big congratulations to Cameron Rigger. And I thought it was interesting that for the award that Celtic do, the uh, the one that the players vote for, they voted for McGregor as a player year. And I I seen the other day that Leela Bada in an interview said that like McGregor's the main man in the the, the dressing room. So I think he really is the leader of the team now, same as what Scott Brown was. I mean, he's a completely different guy to Scott Brown. You can't really see Carl McGregor like, winding people up the way Scott Brown did. Scott Brown did excellently at that, by the way. He's a different type of captain, but I think he's, in a way, similar to Brown because he's the leader of the team. I think that in the dressing room, he'll be the main man. I think it'll probably him and Joe Hart, I would guess. And no, I mean, he fully deserved that. And it was quite funny that Craig Gordon, the greatest goalie ever, didn't win it. I know that we've said that, he'll probably make about 15 wonder saves on Saturday, but hopefully makes a hilarious error and lets one go through his legs anyway. Hearts on Saturday. Now, Flynn Lafferty, 5679, another big listener, he sent in on Instagram, do you think we'll manage to beat Hearts next week, seeing as they have nothing to lose and hate us? And I'm just going to say it, I mean, John, every team in Scotland has nothing to lose and hates us, and we've done all right so far, so I'm not fearing Hearts. No, I mean, I'm fairly confident we'll win. I don't know if it'll be like an easy 5-0 victory, which I'm sure people would love. And I think people might have thought we'd have done against Rangers. I, I don't think so. I mean, I hope we get an early goal because that'll, that'll calm any nerves if there's any. Although there really shouldn't be, but you know, I'm sure there'll be a good atmosphere. And we're both going to be there, which is going to be fun. And I'm sure uh, if we do win the game, then I'd imagine there'll be some sort of celebration after it because we're like 19 goals ahead. We only need four points. A win is practically the title. 
I think so. We've done it. I think when we we beat Hearts before, I think we beat them at Tynecastle three one. We were in a similar situation. Well, we'd practically won the league, but I think like technically we needed another point, and I'm sure there was a big celebration at the end there. And it'll be even better if that happens because it's at Celtic Park. So, no, I'm sure it'll be an interesting day, and I'm sure that the players and the fans will be right up for it. I don't think there'll be the tension there was against Rangers, mostly because it was against Rangers. No, I think that everybody at Celtic will be right up for the game and desperate for the win that all but confirms that we're the champions. Yep, I'm looking forward to that one too. And we're not going to do a preview for that one, but we will, of course, do a review. And a wee bit of a bonus one we were talking about, John, weren't we? If everything goes well, maybe doing a in-person review of it before we do the podcast one. We'll think of that neither the time, but myself and John were thinking about maybe just getting the phone out and doing a recording outside the stadium for immediate thoughts and then add it to the podcast. So we'll let you know how that goes. We also did ask for your thoughts anything you wanted answered from ourselves just send it in now i just want to say adam at add the lad 57 will hogan 67 and you did it him they were asking like what position needs strengthened and what do you think of us looking to buy another striker if a yeti leaves and also adam was wanting thoughts on the lowell appointment that's something we can get into maybe at the end of the season john when it comes to strengthening the team and thinking about what improvements we want to see next season so we'll put those questions on ice but we will definitely answer them Shout out as well to Connor Latka and Rikos um, for the comments that we cannot read out today. I think everybody would know why. We don't want anybody to uh, get lawyers on us. We'll get round to the questions, John. The big one that everybody is talking about from Spam Rogic. Who would win in a fight between Stevie and Rizzo? I created a, a sporting draw, Nancy. I tell you, John, whoever wins, everyone would lose. I've just remembered something. We can keep this in. You're taking me for my dinner on Saturday. Eh, uh, no, I'm not. Aye, it's not the end of the season. It's the last game I can go to. If the fans remember, back in uh, December, November, December, we'd done a, a prediction competition where uh, we'd predicted six games, and I think whoever won, the other person would have to buy them dinner. And I won by one goal. Thank you, Joe Hart, for making a mistake against Dundee. So Stevie owes me a dinner. We were meant to go for it in December, but that pesky COVID came back and... All the uh, restaurants were shut, so thank you to the Scottish Government. But now they're open again, so Stevie can take me for dinner on Saturday, and we'll talk about that on the next wonderful episode of GigPod. Oh well, that's my finances away. Joe <laughs> at Mexican Bandit was asking how will we be celebrating? Well, will we let the listeners know, John? We've both got May the 12th off, so we're going to be getting out of the pub on May the 11th, aren't we? We are, so uh, I'm not sure yet, but I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll celebrate with dignity anyway, and we won't be breaking any benches anymore. We're going to head off, but I just wanted to say, John, you can weigh in to everybody we met on Sunday after the game, and the various pubs we were in, who were decent to us, who most importantly didn't verbally or physically abuse us, and talk about how much they love GigPod. That was really cool. So it was very great to see John finally get some recognition for being the podcast legend and various people come up to him and ask him where did he get his shot so genuinely it was fantastic and thanks to everyone and you know what hopefully we'll see more people on Saturday after the game and if you can continue to not slag me give Reed Zori abuse and generally say how much we're legends that'd be fantastic so over to you John. Yep thanks to everybody that we met on Sunday that was a, a good old laugh and we'll hopefully see some people again on Saturday but as for GigPod, you know where to get us by now. We've been doing it long enough. All the usual podcast platforms, you can still leave us reviews and don't tell us how great we are. And the downloads have been going through the roof recently, so let's hope that continues. 
You can catch Stevie on Twitter at GigPod, no doubt doing his usual stuff. You can catch him on Instagram as well, doing videos, usually previews and that before the games and videos after the games as well. You can also catch him on 67 Hail Hail this week. Is that right, Stevie? Yeah, I think Hamish is going to want to be doing some Hearts preview stuff. So there you go. Even if GigPod don't do any previews, we'll be doing it on 67 Hail Hail. I think that's 90% likely. But as always, Hamish and myself will keep people informed and Regarding the Instagram recent video, you can check that out if you want a hilarious two-second laugh at, well, I'm not going to say his name, but a guy that uh, stares at people dead hard. <laughs> yep, so you can check that out on Instagram. Check Stevie on 67 Hail Hail and check out all their other, video, other videos as well. The Hamish does with Big John McGinley and all the other guys, and he usually gets Scott McDonald and Jackie McNamara on as well most weeks, so they're always good to watch. Well, we'll be back after the Hearts game, hopefully with some sort of celebratory pod so you've got that to look forward to maybe so we'll speak to you all then thanks everybody for listening and hail hail Podcast Network.